Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. This week, Chicago Public Schools started sending out surveys and setting up meetings to get feedback from parents on their hybrid plan to reopen schools this fall. But this morning, CPS announced they're adjusting that plan based on health conditions. To find out exactly what's going on, we spoke to CPS CEO Janice Jackson. She said this change isn't really a change at all. Our plan has always stated that we would let the health conditions uh, writ large here in the city guide our decision making. And we're working in collaboration with the city's CDPH department under Dr. Arwady's leadership in order to make that decision. What we did share today, um, based on feedback and questions that we received in early uh, town halls is that parents wanted more clarity around what that meant. Mm -hmm. And so Dr. already shared um, in the presentation today that um, she would be looking at things such as the number of um, active COVID cases in the city. I believe that threshold was 400. And then also looking at the positivity rate for testing if it were to exceed 5%. And so that was just, again, uh, another another way that we were being responsive to questions and concerns that we were hearing from community members. Understood. So so when when that happens, if the positivity rate goes over five percent or or over four hundred cases, what happens? We go to remote only yeah. for the students. I think what Dr. Arwady was clarifying is just that, and I'm not a health professional, so I'm repeating what I said. <laughs> um, she's the lead on that. Is that that would be an indication to her the situation was not in control um, in the way that she sees fit, and that would really trigger a decision not to return to in-person instruction, as well as a host of other things potentially across the city. But I think what was important about about that session is that we're being responsive to the questions and concerns. We put a framework out, and it's just that a preliminary framework and we have gotten great questions, um, pushback, answers from parents and our school leaders as well as our teachers and it really is helping us to strengthen the plan going forward. And look, I've said from the beginning that this is a plan that we will use whenever in-person instruction resumes. Mm -hmm. That may be on September 8th. That could be further along uh, the school year. But I do think that everybody would agree that the district has an obligation to have a plan in place for when in-person instruction resumes. Well, we're seeing that across the board as as many school districts uh, in the state of Illinois and around the country uh, announced something maybe a couple weeks ago and are already uh, saying, you know what, it's too soon to get back into to in-school, in-person yeah. learning. So is that something that we'll see from CPS? I mean, with the, when, beyond just parental feedback, yeah. can well, you I make your that, change from what you, what you announced a couple of weeks ago? Well, what we announced a couple of weeks ago is a framework. We did not announce that this was happening on September 8th. The mayor has made it clear that that decision will come later. And that decision can't happen until we release the plan, which we did a couple of weeks ago, and engage in this robust community engagement process, which I would also like to highlight is another distinction in our plan. Um, You talked about some of the other districts that have kind of came out with something else and then Mm flip-flopped. Part of that, I think, is not engaging in this deep and robust community engagement that we're going through. The plan that we have in place is a plan for when in-person instruction resumes. And again, that could be on the first day of school for this calendar year, or that could be three months from now, a year from now. No one knows. And I think that that is 
um, how I would characterize COVID. It's a lot of uncertainty, but the sooner we start talking about what it's going to look like, I think we'll be able to help our parents become more comfortable with the plan um, going forward. Yeah. What are you hearing? What, what are parents saying to you and to officials at CPS? The first thing I'd like to do is just thank people for their participation. Um, I've said this before, but we, we've not had this level of engagement around any initiative or decision that the district was making. Tens of thousands of people completing a survey, um, thousands of people attending our webinars. And I think it just speaks to um, how important and critical this decision is. So I really want to thank people. Again, the, the views are so diverse on this. I hear parents who say, you know, I want my kids back in school. There were parents who, you know, or parents of 11th and 12th graders who said, well, why weren't they included in in-person instruction? And then conversely, we have some parents who, while they understand the importance of in-person instruction, are still quite frankly afraid. They're afraid of the threat of COVID. They want to know more about our plan. They want to know more about how we're going to keep the school clean, how we're going to protect the pods. And so there have been plenty of questions that were really good and sound and are pushing our thinking. And I just think that that's what the process was supposed to be. And again, this isn't easy. Um, anybody who no, tells you that they no. have the right answer, right. it's the wrong answer. Right. No, I, I don't envy you in this position to figure out how we're going to do schools uh, coming up yeah. here in the fall. It's, it's tough. But there's a little bit damned if you do, damned if you don't moment here. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that a lot of school districts and administrators are dealing with. Mm -hmm. Because in the spring, there was definitely a push to say, yeah. You know, okay, this is an emergency situation, and uh, mm -hmm. what we get is what we get. So when you're let's let's just talk about remote only, yeah, in, in the sense that you know a lot of parents probably coming forward and saying uh, it was it was it was hard, it was confusing, it was inadequate, mm -hmm. and in in places uh, depending on your on your grade level and and how it kind of played out and the teacher's comfort with the uh, learning experience. So how how have you fixed that? How have you how have you dedicated uh, the resources and and and, and the district to yeah. have a more robust or a more complete uh, remote learning experience for the kids in Chicago. I've said time and time again, if you had asked how long would it take to put a you know solid remote learning program in place, I would say we need a couple of years. Of course, we were thrusted into this. And I think that the district, um, like many districts across the country, that we rose to the occasion. With that said, there were some challenges. Um, we worked extremely hard on some of those uh, things up front whether that was distributing devices, our most recent announcement around internet connectivity um, for 100,000 families. I think that those were some pretty substantial hurdles that we were able to overcome, and I'm really proud of the district's work to do that. With that said, um, it is a challenge. I know that I felt like I completed fifth and eighth grade at the end of this school year, um, just like my kids did, because right. there were a lot of times where I had to devote a lot of time, effort, and energy to help them do their work because of the constraints around a remote learning setting. So with that said, I think what parents are going to see is better monitoring and accountability for putting out a strong remote learning program. Um, we're only using one um, platform, Google. This is going to give us visibility, visibility into what's happening at the classroom level. This will allow principals to see what's happening in the classrooms and also allow parents some visibility. Uh, I think uh, the grading policy that we had in place in the spring was ahead of where a lot of districts are. We were able to keep accountability in place so that kids were motivated to do the work. But attendance is another area where we have strengthened our protocols so that we can better account for right. students who are participating in remote learning. I don't know how you deal with the fact that, that this country has such a digital 
divide and the idea yeah. of, of our impoverished communities here in Chicago not having access to, mm-hmm. whether it be broadband computers. Uh, we've heard in many cases with people with families with, with more than one kid mm-hmm. in class have, have, you know, if they have three kids, where are they going to put three kids to, to online to make sure that they're, they're doing the classes? So when we yeah. talk about the digital divide, and we talk about the fact that, that the concept of public school is to not leave kids behind. How do you deal with that? How do you approach that from the district standpoint to make sure that every kid gets a good education? Well, that's our goal and that's our mission as a school system. It's no secret that inequities exist in our school system and school systems across the country. And those challenges were present even in a remote setting. And so we approach all of what we do um, with without those constraints in mind. I think that the work that we've done over the past few months really speaks to our commitment to equity, um, distributing over 125,000 devices to students and families that did not have any devices in the home. We actually improved upon that plan to make sure that every student had a device. And one thing I would like to tell your listeners is that if there is a family that doesn't have access to a device and you have reached out to your school and been turned away, please please call our hotline at 553-KIDS and we will work with you so that you can have the devices that you need. But I think one of the other positive things that has come out of this is the Chicago Connected Program where students will receive free broadband internet access, which is completely different than being tethered to a phone and something else for the next four years. And so CPS, once again, is um, put in a position where we're ahead of the game. A lot of other districts are still struggling with this. And we're also going to continue to push on the federal government to make this accessible and make this utility available to everybody. It shouldn't be a situation of the haves and the Mm have-nots. And I'm proud to say that CPS has been able to solve this issue, something that seemed insurmountable at the start of uh, COVID. I want to talk about teachers. The Chicago Teachers Union came out strongly saying we want remote only. Uh, when it comes to uh, classes in the fall. The American Federation of Teachers came out yesterday and said they are willing to support any work stoppage or strike. What do you say to teachers who are not uh, on board when it comes to coming back to the classroom because they feel that their safety uh, that, that is in question and the protections are inadequate? What, what do you say to teachers who, who really feel like their voices aren't being heard? Well, I think the thing that I would lean back on is that our plan prioritizes safety. And again, this is a plan that is in place for whenever in-person instruction resumes. And I don't think anybody's going to argue that that will happen eventually. Um, We're going to work with um, Dr. Arwady and our partners at CDPH in order to make a decision about when we do that effectively. I think the second piece here is that there are a variety of stakeholders whose voices that we have to um, take into consideration, which is why. CPS um, took the additional step of administering surveys and having the town halls. And I think overall, people know that we need to have a plan, but they want to become more comfortable with that plan. And it's the district's responsibility to make sure that people feel like the protocols that we're going to have in place, the cleaning procedures that we um, are proposing are adequate enough to make sure that people feel safe coming back into our schools. And that's the purpose of the, the process that we're engaged in. But I think at the end of the day, our job 
job as a school system is to educate students. And we really have to make sure that we're providing an education for all of our students, but in particular, the students amongst us who are the most vulnerable. Many of these students, their parents are the same essential workers that we have been championing throughout this process. And a lot of them need additional support. And so there are a lot of factors that have to be taken into consideration, a lot of things that we're trying to balance. But at the end of the day, health and safety is at the core of the plan that we have in place. And it will be at the core of any decision we make to have people return to schools. Yeah. Ms. Jackson, I'm, I'm intrigued, and, and as a parent myself and as somebody who, as, as a Chicagoan who has been here for the last couple of years when it's come to um, labor stoppages and, and strife between the district and, and the teachers' union, I, I think all of us kind of, we head scratch because we, we want everyone to come to the table right now. We don't want this to be another political fight at the end of the day about what school looks like or what it feels like or, or what it is uh, when it seems like we are in an emergency situation. So why not have CTU at the table? Why not have uh, the, the teachers and, and whatever form at the table as part of the conversation to uh, put the plan out in the first place or the framework? CTU is at the table. We meet with the union once a week. We've met with them throughout this entire process. So I just want to clarify because I think the, the question insinuates that we haven't engaged teachers. At the end of the day, when we do that, there will be times where we disagree on key points. There are things that we have agreed on and that allowed us to put, to get, put together and put out the framework that we have in place. But they have a particular viewpoint about how and when the decision should be made, and they are entitled to that. Um, but I just want people to know that we've been working with CTU throughout this process, and we will continue to do that. But again, there are multiple stakeholders who we have to take their views into consideration. And the views are mixed even amongst different stakeholder groups. There are some teachers who are very ready to go back to school, mm -hmm. and then there are some who are afraid, and we definitely respect the opinions of all people in those groups. The same with parents. There are parents who are telling me, I need my kids back in school. Remote learning didn't work for me. And likewise, I have parents that say, I want them back in school, but I'm not yet comfortable with the plan. It is a dialogue and no one person has the right answer and no one group has the right answer. What we know about COVID is that things change daily and that everybody has to be a part of the discussion. That's everyone. And I, I feel like just as, like I said, as a parent in Chicago, and I could have this conversation with you all afternoon, <laughs> I feel like there's so much on the line when it comes to uh, reopening our schools and what they're going to look like in the fall. One area, too, to think about is just it's very difficult uh, in Chicago. And you know this and we've talked about this before, just the idea of selective enrollment and standardized testing and and getting into the right high school that, that is a process for Chicago parents. It yeah. was it was disrupted. It was interrupted. And we talked with Sarah Carp about this a little bit earlier in the, in mm -hmm. the summer. But just this idea that what are you going to do about that? What are we going to do about yeah. standardized testing and and just the process that was already difficult for parents? Uh, how do you get that back up to speed? And or does it have to change? There was a disruption towards the end. Um, luckily, we were maybe about 95 percent of the way uh, through the process. There were uh, a little over 100 families that still needed to test. We have a contingency plan in place for those families to test, and they will be offered seats based on their child's uh, eligibility. So I can confidently say we closed out last school year and made sure that everybody who participated in the process uh, was given a fair shake um, in the same shake in order to get um, acceptance into a high school or program throughout the city. As we think about next year, we will be um, sharing our ideas 
for our selective enrollment um, and lottery programs and options programs. So stay tuned okay. for that. We're not ready to announce those plans, but we will have a plan in place um, to resume our selective enrollment um, and other choice programs. Great. And I'll have you back for that. As, as, as we look at the idea of, of possibly bringing kids and teachers and, and staff back to a school, you talked about the safety precautions, precautions and the protections. But just hypothetically, one kid uh, has has a positive case. One teacher has a positive case. One janitor has a positive case. Are you thinking about the contingency plans of what that means? And and we're kind of yeah. seeing it in other industries right now. But but how you will approach that if that ha- indeed happens? Yeah, um, and that's outlined in our plan. So if we take a step back, the hybrid model that we're proposing to have no more than 15 students in any individual pod at a time with that teacher. So if a student becomes positive with COVID or contracts COVID and they're in a particular pod, all of the students that have had close contact with that student, which would be our assumption, um, as well as the teacher, would uh, go on quarantine at that point. People who present with symptoms would be asked to um, take tests so that we can do the proper contact tracing, et cetera. Um, But that is the reason why we didn't just open the doors back up and say, everybody come back to school and kind of, you know, figure out what's going on at that point. The potting situation, the protocols we have in place to keep individuals in close contact with one another throughout the day and to really make sure that those pods are tight um, and implement that with fidelity. That's why the plan is organized in that way. That's why we can't bring back, you know, 100 percent of the student body. Mm -hmm. Um, We're bringing back 50 percent at a time. This will allow us to do the proper social distancing and this will allow us to isolate cases. And Ms. Jackson, when, when we think about this plan, and it's a very solid, it's a very comprehensive plan. But as you said, COVID changes on the daily. I mean, we're, we're seeing a, a flow and, a, and, a, and an evolution of this uh, pandemic that continues to give a roller coaster vibe. Mm-hmm. Even with everything you're just talking about, and, and I know you're hearing from parents and you're going to make a determination at some point, but does, it just seems to me that the idea of time is of the essence and, and the sense that, that you know parents want to know quicker than later uh, mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the fall and if they should pr- start to prepare for the fact that their kids may be at home. So when are you going to announce what the final plan is for Chicago public schools? Well, I know that we won't announce a plan prior to us completing the community engagement process, which is still underway. So that's the first step. Uh, we'll have to uh, see how our survey results um, come out. So we're going to be looking at that. Um, and taking all of that into consideration in order to make a decision. Look, we understand that time is an issue. Our teachers need to know, although they should be planning for remote regardless because it's a part of the plan. Um, We do want people to know what they are walking into in the fall. And so um, the sooner we have a definitive answer, we will definitely share that with the public. But I just want to reiterate the point that I made at the top of this, which is, Our plan um, and our decision will be grounded in the science, and it will be based on feedback from all of our stakeholders. Chicago Public Schools CEO Janice Jackson, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate you having the conversation. Thanks, Justin. And that's today's Reset. For the latest and most accurate information on the coronavirus, head to 91.5 on your radio or WBEZ.org on your web browser. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app.
Listen every day.